So this is where my early memories find me. A little girl, not yet school age, living with my mother and older brother Steve in a small weatherboard cottage rammed into the corner of Springfield and Crawford Streets in a suburb called Old Guildford in Sydney's west. We were doing it tough in the nuclear family ideal of Australia's post-war utopia. There were no rich people in Old Guildford. Any semblance of refinement had died with the Mrs MacDonald, two ancient sisters who drifted on a waft of lavender, their gloved hands proffering gifts of welcome to each newcomer. Their mansion was set back from the main road at a discreet distance on a huge block of land, its two storeys bland and square from the outside, its treasures of carved cedar staircases and intricate fireplaces known only to the rare and privileged guest. We were linked by the understanding the core of our house had once belonged to them, the benevolent offering of a two-roomed cottage originally built for a long-vanished estate worker. No, there were no rich people in Old Guildford. Not now the Mrs MacDonald were dead and gone without heirs. Now there were only the poor, the poorer, and the poorest. When we bought the house, we had enabled the new Australians, old Mr and Mrs Pellerin, to move up a level on the social scale. When they arrived from Italy years before, the cottage was only two rooms with a veranda on the front. They added a room that served as kitchen, living room and bathhouse. Time passed and they tacked on another bedroom and a separate kitchen. The old fuel stove with its ivory and green enamelled oven door emblazoned with metas was their legacy to us. It sulked in a wall of our living room, useless and smoke-blackened. The stove shared the only chimney in the house, backing onto the delicate fireplace of the original cottage. That fireplace was the only pretty thing in the house, framed by a semicircle of beaten metal and fronted by exquisite cream and rose pattern tiles. Neither the fireplace nor the stove worked properly, the chimney having long since blocked up. We never fixed it. We didn't know how. We knew nothing. How could we? It took all of Mum's time, effort and money to go to work, to shop and to feed us. The tragedy for the Pellerins, who moved next door to a house they had designed and built, was watching us let their years of sweat and doing without in their original home disintegrate in front of their eyes. We had no idea how to raise chooks keep fruit fly from infesting ripening peaches and nectarines, or stop fly screens from disintegrating and shredding away at the windows. Crikey! We couldn't even cut the grass, and there was almost two blocks of that. Across the road, the secrets of the McDonald's mansion were thrown open when it was subdivided into flats and rented to Australia's new chums, the ten-pound poms, fresh off the boat from England. Among them was a boy of my age named Paul, giving me my first experience of childhood in my world of adults. 
Paul and I weren't the first children to discover the expansive grounds were dense with mulberry trees, but to us the experience was fresh and new. We shared the joy of scrambling into them, skinning our knees and scrabbling for the rich ripe fruit, stuffing handfuls of lusciousness into our mouths and abandoning ourselves to the silky dripping of the juice. We collected silkworms from the trees, nesting them in a shoebox filled with mulberry leaves to eat and holes punched in the lid so they could breathe. We were confused when the worms turned themselves into cocoons, hiding their furry grubbiness in a shell wound round and round with a soft down. Then came the disappointing day when we opened the lid to find our cocoons empty husks and in their place were moths fluttering for freedom.